Brene Brown says, people are hard to hate close up, so move in. Welcome to Freaking Felon. Hi, my name is Jen, and thank you so much for joining us today at Freaking Felon. Freaking Felon is a platform both here on your podcast as well as the YouTube channel. And it is a platform where we can talk about some hard discussions. We can hear some inspiring stories. And it is just another resource with some tools for both those who are coming home or have been touched by the criminal justice system, family members and friends who have loved ones who are incarcerated, as well as those who are just in our community and want a better understanding of some of the hurdles and how they can be a part of the successful re-entry of those in their own community. Additionally, on May 1st, we will be launching the fully integrated online re-entry program for anybody who's interested in that as well. In the meantime, if you want to work on your resume or participate in a mock interview, feel free to go over to our website at www.freakingfelon.com and go to services and sign up today. We would love to help you out. This segment is about the new laws that are happening in 2023. So today we're going to focus on the new law in Michigan. So it's really exciting that the new law in Michigan, um, it's called 2023 moving forward. It's going to be effective in April 1st. Um, an automated system for expunging convictions without the necessity of filling out an application will be in effect. So you can have up to two felony convictions that will be automatically expunged after 10 years after sentencing or from when the person was released from custody. Up to four misdemeanors will automatically be expunged uh, seven years after sentencing. It does not mean that all felonies and or misdemeanors will be expunged. It is just the nonviolent ones. Therefore, if you have a conviction that involves a minor, a vulnerable adult, uh, injury or serious impairment of a person or the death of a person or human trafficking, then those felonies and or misdemeanors will not be expunged. And that's all we have for the update on laws for today. On to the next segment. Today, we're going to talk about how we rebuild trust between somebody who has been incarcerated and our next door neighbors. This is going to be a little bit of a twisted story in a sense, because in reality, the United States is not set up for this. If you think back to your childhood and when you broke the rules, I could tell you a story when I was 13 and I decided to hang out with an older crowd of people and snuck out my window and would just hang out in the neighborhood and get into odds and ends mischief. It wasn't like anything major, but I broke my parents' trust. And I broke it time and time and time again. And I would get grounded and I would earn back that trust at weeks at a time. And I don't know if I ever truly won back all of their trust at a time or not. And as a parent, I know that when my, my children have broken my trust, that they've had to earn their trust back with me as well. We also know that scientifically speaking, that women's brains fully mature between the ages of 21 and 26 and men's brains mature, fully mature, you know, later than women. We'll just leave it at that. So what does that have anything to do with trust? We here in the United States believe anybody who is sentenced after being 
you know, legally an adult, 18 years old, should be completely liable for their actions. Now, yes, I agree. Many individuals beyond the age of 18 and even before know right from wrong. I knew right from wrong when I was 13, yet I still did it. However, a lot of people don't grow up with having structured boundaries to help people understand what is okay and what isn't, or maybe never were held accountable before. Some people have developed addictions and or may have had an addictive personality growing up and never learned the tools on how to deal with that. There are so many little equations when it comes into this discussion to talk about trust and and boundary setting and how do we create this relationship back into society. There is an individual who did a TED Talk a few years ago who I really enjoyed his TED Talk because number one, he's a former corrections agent. And number two, he's now a social scientist because he sees that the corrections facilities aren't doing what they need to do. So I give him credit for actually doing that and recognizing that our system isn't working because a lot of individuals in the corrections fields don't see the correlation between what their role is and how the prison systems do or do not work. So they don't have, they have a tendency not to challenge the status quo. And unfortunately, until more people start challenging the status quo, nothing's gonna ever change. But going back to this TED Talk, sorry for getting off on my tangent. If you go to YouTube, you can Google this TED Talk and it is Brandon W. Matthews. And he discusses the divorce system of the criminal justice system here in the United States. He really emphasizes, um, he really emphasizes having two different tracks and having one track for punishment and one track for treatment. Those are excellent ideas. So yes, there would be a punishment phase and there would be a treatment phase. And that could be phenomenal all within itself. He also compares the United States system to the Norway prison because the Norway prison has this amazing success rate of 20% recidivism, where the United States is stuck at 67%. And we can't seem to quite figure that part out. The Norway prison system is developed like a retreat center where you get, it, you get quarters that are very similar to living in your own apartment. You get access to working within the facility. You can wear your own clothing. And it, like I said, it is tried to be mimicked as close as possible to reality. There isn't a fence. It is in, located in a place where nothing else is around. Um, so trying to escape from there, which they've never had an attempt, does, doesn't happen. And they've never had an attempt. The thing that really strikes me about this system in Norway that they don't discriminate about what kind of offenses participate. So it doesn't matter if you have a white collar or nonviolent crime, and it doesn't matter if you are more of a violent offender because everybody needs their own track for their healing. Everyone needs to have that special treatment depending on what it is they're going through. Their guards there in Norway have to be trained for almost two years before they can even begin in the corrections department. Whereas people here in the United States, some have some degrees in criminal justice, but the majority of them just have six weeks of training at most. Additionally, that yes, 
we do have some people who have the degrees, like I said, in criminal justice, but in Norway, you are required to take classes on psychology and sociology and criminal justice to truly understand the functioning and the, the way that people think and how to disrupt that thinking and how to challenge that thinking while still having a respectful discussion. The guards there actually play games with them, have discussions, help diffuse uh, conflict and create a welcoming environment where you can be approached and not threatened by a guard. So in Brandon's example though, he excludes the violent offenders, which unfortunately is not a reality. If we start with a nonviolent, fine, but but if we're not going to look at this as a whole collective, we're missing the point. The other part that we are missing, which is probably even more staggering than the facilities themselves, is the fact that we have a trust issue here in America. We live off of fear. I mentioned this in the very first video and about how I really love Brene Brown's, you know, people are hard to hate close up. So move in. The more you get to know somebody without that title, the more you get to like them or accept them at least. The more people you get to know in your neighborhood. You may not know if you even have somebody who's done time in your neighborhood because maybe they've never told you and maybe there was never cause or reason for you to look up their background. However, if you sit there and actually get to know people for who they are and not for where they've been, we'd have a lot different mentality. But what I love even more about Norway is it is illegal to actually look up their background or their medical data or anything. It's their personal data. You cannot run a background check on people in Norway unless they're working with children. Just that opportunity alone allows people to go on with their lives and not have this huge stigma that prevents them from getting a job or housing here in America. So regardless if we were to adopt the system Brandon presents in his talk about the treatment system versus the punishment system, and if we adopted the way that Norway had their facilities set up, yes, that would be great. It would be a great start. But until we actually attack this real situation, which is the background checks and the fear that that presents here in our society, people are never going to get that head start. Just imagine if people who under the age of 26, if we even started there, had the option of doing this intensive treatment, intensive treatment, and were sent to a facility that provided a real life structure with intensive treatment specifically to their crime, learned not only the hard skills, but also soft skills. And then if they completed that successfully, they would not have a background. If that was a starting point, what kind of future could those individuals create if they didn't have those hurdles standing in their way? So if we could create that system as a beginning, that would have the most impact on mass incarceration because our recidivism rates would plummet. That huge group that is like one of the largest group of first-time offenders are between those ages. And if we can get it so they're not second-time offenders or third-time or and become career criminals, that would be phenomenal. That would be amazing and such a huge start.
to how to really do this in America. That would be such a huge beginning of a revolutionary change in the criminal justice system. And yes, Michigan is on the right track. However, uh, if somebody hasn't received the actual services they need, are we setting them up for success? I am not condemning Michigan's new law. I think it is phenomenal. And I hope more states start adopting that law immediately. I am just questioning the long-term results and how we can make sure that everybody has a successful transition back into the community. And here we are with Monday Motivation. I love connecting with other individuals who do readings and angel card readings and um, creator card readings and whatnot. And I have my own deck of creations, uh, sacred creations oracle. And I love the messages in this because it, it speaks to people who are trying to create something new out of themselves, regardless if it's employment or a life uh, change, um, any kind of new movement in, and you're constant. And if you're a felon like myself, you are looking to create new relationships, new pathways forward, um, looking at how to redefine yourself. And so anyway, I'm just sharing that with you. And I just thought I would throw something inspirational into these videos um, when it is just me and not some of my interviews. Because I believe there's a message out there for everybody, no matter what your faith practice is, no matter what your belief system is. Um, this is just the energy just energy I want to share with you. So today I am just going to do a couple of and see what exactly the universe wants this collective, this group to know. And so, yeah. So as I'm shuffling here, just think some positive thoughts. Think of ways that you're looking to be motivated. What are you trying to create um, in your life? And what good can we do in this world? Because we only get one. We only get one life, everyone. So how can we make it the best life ever? And today is raw intention. And raw intention, this means intention brought to life, wild power, savage love, divine intervention, powerful inspiration, channeling messages. Intention can be raw or it can be refined. Refined intention gets polished and perfected and turned into marketing, a resume, a vision board. I love vision boards. Oh my gosh. I have to do another one soon. And it is always tinted by layers of our own perception. Raw intention is wilder than that. It's pure, unrefined, and authentic. It's the mother who lifts a car with her bare hands to save a child because raw power does not ask questions. It just does. And so it is. By virtue of simply being human, you have this wild and raw magic inside of you. All of you have this and you may be spending too much time filtering your raw power as a way to fit in or as a way to be who others want you to be. So unleash that pure intention and you will radiate so much innate magic that you'll move mountains, allow spontaneity and divine love to guide you and pay attention to whim desire, inclination, and impulse. If you notice any unwanted emotions surfacing like anger, sadness, fear, or guilt, and sit with it. 
Ask them why they're present and they will most likely point to a much deeper need that sounds something like, I am seen, I am loved, I am accepted, I am safe. And remind yourself that you are all these things and draw your power from there. Things to think about this week as you move forward in your day. What are your wild and unkept intentions calling you into your life? What needs to be heard? And can you work with them mindfully to build the life of your dreams? Because I believe you can. I truly do. I journal every single day. And this card actually suggests to do some writing. Ask yourself and sit with an open mind, a blank page, and a curious heart and allow messages from your unconscious mind to flow onto your page and just write or doodle and go forward. And that is your motivation for this week. Have a great day, everybody. And thank you so much for joining me next week. I'm excited to um, have another personal interview and it will be with a man named Nathan. Nathan has found his way into becoming a financial advisor, but his path there wasn't always the easiest. So I can't wait to share his story with you next Monday. Stay tuned.